Here we are, once again, uh, another December 24th. Um, this time it is December 24th, 2011, and I, I think it's lecture number 14. It could be lecture number 15. I have lost track of all our Cliffside Candlelight services. I don't have any idea what it is. I'll, I forget things now, and I'll forget in a few minutes. And I do forget, uh, and forgetting is what I'm best at, and it's becoming increasingly the case. Uh, and I fully understand that I will soon be very, very good at forgetting. I know that's coming uh, at a rate that is frightening, frankly. It's half a joke and half real. Anyway, around this time of year, I'm usually asked, and I got a phone call today, if I was going to do the same lecture that I always do on Christmas scent or Christ sent, really, to be more accurate, which is Christmas, because Christmas means Christ sent. And they want to know, are you going to do the same one? And I said, if I tell you, will you come? The answer was, well, you always do the same one. And that's mostly true. But Christmas is to note that um, right off the bat, there's no feast days, you know that, of the Lord in December. There isn't a feast day. He has seven feast days. None of them are in December. None. And thus, uh, it's not the time of Christ's birth. That, I think, is obvious. Jesus Christ was most likely born, by the way, in a cave. Um, Don't think that there was a garage off of the inn or something, or that the animals had a nice house uh, or a barn. They didn't. They kept the animals in caves. If you've got animals around you, you're likely in a cave. And if you think about it, he would come in a cave and he would leave in the cave. He'd book in caves with me. He would make sure the cave uh, theme was there. Uh, he likes caves. And uh, there's a reason why he uh, was born, or most likely born in a cave, uh, in a food trough, as you know. So he really doesn't have uh, uh, cable TV or any of those things in his little manger scene. Isn't it lovely? Uh, that's a cave. So I guess we could count it. At least I, I, I so humiliated them they got rid of the three kings, didn't they? So, so I have an impact on the other church here in some way. Anyway, all of that to say, no feast days. Uh, he's most likely in December. Christ is most likely born on the feast day of trumpets. Uh, that would be Rosh Hashanah. Uh, or sometime in October, late September. Some say the feast day of tabernacles. Uh, the early church called it Michaelmas, and they celebrated September 29th. You've heard me say that many, many, many times. December again. No feast day there. The only thing that's in December is what? Yeah, it's the winter solstice. It is the darkest time. It is the sun with the least amount of light on the nation of Israel. That's what it has in it. And so that is significant, because uh, if we wish, we can call this light coming to darkness Eve. That's what it is. And uh, that would make it, like I said, nonetheless a time of great significance. Gabriel was sent here. Gabriel Mass. Right? And you see the light coming to darkness um, immediately causing two questions. Question one, why do we have darkness? What is the source of darkness? Why does God come to the darkness? 
Those two, by the way, affect more questions. That's how scripture works. Why did God, for example, let me throw this one at you. Why did God permit, allow the darkness? Because he has to. He must permit darkness. Why does he do it? And by the way, he didn't, it's for a time. Why does he permit darkness for a time? The age-old question is really this. It's the same question, isn't it? Why does evil exist? Why do the evil prosper? would be where you would go next. Psalm 73, 12 and Jeremiah 12, 11. Uh, why do the evil prosper? Then, of course, we must ask, uh, what is God's definition of evil? Are you evil? Does God think you're evil? Most people don't think they're evil. The evil don't think they're evil. Occasionally, you have the evil that does think they're evil, and they become very difficult to deal with in a society. But most people don't think they're evil. They think you're evil. That's how it works. But what is God's definition of evil? Or perhaps to make it more applicational. What specifically results in an individual to be judged and condemned by God as evil? I hope you see the the relationship between evil and darkness. And that's, by the way, a readily answerable question. uh, As is, uh, why does evil exist? But... What specifically results in an individual to be judged and condemned by God as evil? Um, rejection of God and unbelief. He calls unbelief profoundly evil. But then you've got to ask, well, what then? What rejection and unbelief in who and what? Again, those are readily answerable. You reject the light that came. That's the glory of God. That's the Shekinah glory. That is Jesus Christ in the flesh. He calls himself the light of the world. If you reject the light that came, refusing to believe in his name, he will judge you evil. It's really very simple, sort of. But it gets more complex from here. The more you go from there, the more you have to care about it. You have to try to understand it because it becomes more difficult. He makes it more difficult to understand once you have gotten past belief and rejection as an issue or acceptance and rejection or belief and unbelief. So, all of that to say, yes, I'm going to do what I always do. A very secret-friendly, happy, uplifting lecture. As always, pretty much what every church does on Christ sent or Gabriel sent Eve service. What I'm going to do is what I have to do. It's my job. I do weddings. People run screaming from the wedding. But it's my job. I've had people tell me I'll never, never go to a wedding you do again. And I say, what I should say, thank you. That's right. Very high praise. I did my job. Same thing's true here. I have a job to do. And I know it. I've read the book. I know what happens to me if I don't do the job. So I do. Let me read this to you. This is Luke one thirty-five, And Mary said to the angel, which angel is it, by the way? It's Gabriel. Hence it's called Gabriel sent or Gabriel Nuss. Then Mary said to the angel, How can I be, how can this be? Because Gabriel came to tell her that she was carrying a child. 
How can this be? I do not know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. The overshadowing of Mary, or the incarnation, if you will, the overshadowing of Mary at the darkest time of the year uh, for, the nor- or for the hemisphere that has Jerusalem in it. I think that is what happened. I think that is why uh, we do what we do on this day. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Okay? And now I'm going to... Your Bibles will have this wrong, which is really a sad thing. The, whole, uh, the old King James has, has it correct. And that is why you, you should um, get a old King James about this time of year because it's the Holy Thing verses. And, and by the way, every church, like I said, does the Holy Thing, or I hope they do, maybe they don't, and they usually follow it by Ecclesiastes 7, 8, and 9. And all over the country, churches are having special services, as you know, music and dramatic plays with Animals. I always wanted to have animals. I really did. I wanted donkeys and cows. I really wanted a cow. Horses. On stage. I think it would be really cool. And it's my thing, I know. But they've had these dramatic plays and they have these animals and I really, uh, I really uh, am envious of them. And all of that they do with the readings of Ecclesiastes chapter 7, 8, and 9, as you know. And, and I want to do the right thing. I want to fly into the, uh, into the correct path. I don't want to fight the wind and I don't want to fight the crowd. So being uh, the kind of submissive person I am, I'm trying to fit in. Darkness is on the face of the earth. Death reigns. Evil seems to prevail, doesn't it? Sadness, tiredness, that's what we have here. And where is the hope for all of this? Where is the hope? And that is Luke one thirty-five. So I'm going to give you now uh, the whole King James Version. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born shall be called the most high your bible will say uh, holy or holy one your translation or it will say the son of god but that's not what it says therefore also that holy thing now thing is implied i like to use it because it makes the point that holy thing which shall be born, shall be called the Most High. You will call that which is in you, Mary, God, the Most High. And Gabriel said that to the Virgin Mary. He was sent to say that, Gabriel must, for that specific purpose. And no words, by the way, can describe that holy. We don't have a human word that can describe what was inside Mary. It was that holy thing. It was not a babe. It certainly wasn't in a manger. It's not a child in the sense of children. It can't be described that way. It can only be described, he can only be described, as that holy who is God the most highest in the flesh. The light had come to darkness, and there is your hope. It is also life has come to darkness. He calls himself the light of the world and the life of the world. Which implies what? There is no life. We think we have life, but we don't. 
take a good look at me. Next year, it will be more obvious what's happening to me. We don't have life. We have slow what? Death. Mary gave rooms. But the light had come to the darkness and the hope of life as God defines life. You see, don't define life the way you do, the way I do. We don't know what life is yet. But hope had come. Real life is here. The only life. There is no other life but him. No one has life but him. The solution to all death has come. Okay, now, those traditional Ecclesiastes verses. You can open your Bibles to 715 Ecclesiastes. But by, by now I'm sure you all know them because you've heard them every Christmas. I have seen everything in my days of vanity. This is Solomon, the wisest human being, the man with the most wisdom who has ever lived. No one's close. You can make the case for Moses. But I'm talking about created human beings. Here is Solomon. I have seen everything in my days of vanity. What he means is his days of uselessness. He says that over and over again. Everything is useless. And here's what he goes on to say. There is a just man who perishes in his righteousness. And there is a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. Hey, now, 8.8, that other famous uh, Abram's verse. And I'm sorry about my voice. I'm struggling today. No one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit. And no one has power in the day of death. There is no release from that war. And wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it. And finally, Ecclesiastes 9, 3-6. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. That one thing happens to all. Truly, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die. But the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward. For the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. Now again, you add those to Jeremiah 12.1, which is why do the wicked prosper? In Psalm 73.12, behold, let me say that again, behold the ungodly who prosper in the world, they increase in riches. Beholds are always set aside in Scripture. They're always followed by great truths. There's a great truth there, a very complex, extraordinary thing being said there. Psalm 73, 12, a deep mystery. The ungodly who prosper in the world, they increase in riches. Psalm 73, extraordinarily mysterious. Okay, what have we got so far? Just people, as God defines the just. Saved people die. Believers die. Those who have accepted the holy thing, they're going to die. But they're going to physically die in what? What did it say? 
There is a just man who perishes in his what? Righteousness. He will perish in his righteousness. The wicked, they don't perish. They don't die physically in righteousness. They prolong in wickedness. No one has power over death. No one has power over the spirit. No one has power in that day of death. No one has power. No human being. Only one has power over death. That's God. Wickedness cannot defeat physical death. It never has. It never will. Though wickedness will do what? Never stop trying. And then mankind is full of evil. Mankind is in madness. And they remain in madness. This is really, really powerful right here. I hope you heard it. But let me say, let me repeat it again. Um, truly the hearts of the Son of Man are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. Madness is in their hearts when they live. And madness remains after they die. For those, but for those who are joined to the living, and he calls himself the living, he is the living. If you are joined to the living, the only one who lives, the only one who has life, the only one who can give life, who has the power over death is who? It is the holy thing. It is God in the flesh. It is God who has come to add humanity to himself came in the midst of this darkness, the Most High, the Lord God Almighty, the Ancient of Days, the I Am, all of those, Jesus Christ. Those joined to the living are the acceptors, the believers. And here is forevermore, I hope, your favorite Christmas verse. You can put it on your Christmas cards. I always wanted to have a softball team named this. I never did it because I didn't want to spend the whole summer explaining it. But I still have one more year left, maybe. I doubt it. It's getting really bad. I forget that I used to be able to play the game. But for him who is joined to the living, the acceptor, the believer, there is hope there's your hope. Is there hope in this world? No. There is hope for the world. It comes from the holy thing. The one for whom we cannot describe. We cannot describe how infinite God adds humanity. No description for it. And it is in disrespectful and insulting to try. But for him who is joined to the living... There is hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. I wanted to be the living dogs. Who are we playing tonight? Well, we got the living dogs. I thought that would be cool. I assume sooner or later somebody would uh, figure out where that came from and of course there would be a team called the Dead Lions. And then we'd fight that out, wouldn't we? It is better to be a living dog than a dead lion. What's he trying to say? 
It is better to be the least of man and be joined to the holy thing, the living one, the one who has life, the one who resurrects, the one who reaches down to you. I gave a lecture a while back. I talked about people who believe they can save themselves by grabbing their hair when they're sinking in quicksand. And all they did is dead people with hair in their hands. Makes no sense. That's a dead lion. They may be great people on this earth, but they are dead lions if they don't believe and they stay dead and they remain dead and they have no hope of ever having life and they remain in madness. It is better to be a living dog than a dead lion. Define life and define death as God defines it. How does he define life? He defines it as being with him as believing in his name and in himself and accepting the life and the hand that is reached down. The dead lion cannot be saved. He cannot be a witness. The door is closed. The time for salvation, for believing, is gone. So, we celebrate two things today. On Holy Thing Eve, number one, God came. Why? Why did he come? Here's an important question that you have to wrestle with. What's in it for him? What do we offer him who is the possessor of all things? Genesis 14, 19. His title is possessor of all things. What are you? What am I? What are us? We be what? Things. He possesses us. What do we have to offer him? Stuff? We have nothing to offer him. What's in it for him? Nothing. Nothing's in it for him. He offers life to us. And the question really is, is not why is there evil? The question really is, why is there any good at all? Anywhere. Why is anyone saved at all? How come he saves anybody? Why don't all cease? Why don't all perish? That's not who he is. He is the holy thing that comes in the midst of the darkness. And though we die, how do we die if we're believers? We die in what? Righteousness. And that means we are resurrected into eternal life. And that is our hope. Because it's good to be a living dog. Merry Holy Thing Day. Merry Christ sent. Merry Gabriel is sent. I don't really mind anymore. I'm beginning to be more and more. I'm that man now that yells at kids to get off his lawn. I can't help it. It's coming for you. It wasn't always this way. And I have someone to turn off the lights and someone to get a candle. Ooh, I would rather have matches and make sure everybody has candles. Does everybody have candles? I want you all to have candles before we turn off the light and burn the upholstery. Um, I'm going to ruin you for your trial. 
it's my job. Please don't take it personally. But you're going to be tried someday. I'm going to be tried as well. Uh, we have a trial coming where we're going to face our Creator. He's going to ask us. He doesn't really have to ask us. It's not for Him. He's omniscient. But it is for us to know, to say, to confess. He's going to ask us to have an account of ourselves for him. Did we believe in him? Did we believe in the name of Jesus Christ? Are we saved? Did we accept the hand? Did we accept the living life that he gave us? Or did we reject it? Everyone will stand before God. Everyone. Stand before the throne and Christ is on the throne. Ah, this is a little bit of a symbol. That's why we do it. It's just like communion. When you drink the communion wine, you are saying that I am taking his living blood and I am putting it inside me. It is a blood transfusion, if you wish to say so. That's perfectly appropriate. And I am taking his living flesh and I am eating it because my flesh needs to be repaired, if you will, or replaced. And my blood is dying blood. So when you take communion, you are saying something. What are you saying? I take the hand. I believe in the blood. I believe in the flesh. Well, here's the same thing. If you take the light, what are you saying? I accept the light, the life. If you don't, then I've ruined your trial. Everything's on videotape. God has an incredible memory. He doesn't forget. And he always remembers. In fact, the thing that the thief on the cross said so powerful, and the thing that my father said as he lay dying, remember me. I watched him die, and I watched him cry out, remember me, a sinner. And he got that. Out of the Gospels. Because he knew that works. He got it from the thief and he got it from the tax collector. And he knew something about himself. My dad did. He knew he needed to be saved. He wasn't going to try to pull himself out of the mud by his own hair. He knew he had to grab a hand. And he was grateful that someone would remember him. And that same someone will remember this. So, I want you to light your candle. It's serious. I don't really care if you don't need it. I just don't want you to have a heart that's so hard that you won't even take it for the people that are here. Because he will turn a soft heart. But he will let the hard heart go on to madness. Your candle, the light. It's a good idea. It's my job. Oh, we should light other candles, huh? Could take a while. This is where I always warn people: watch the children. Okay, we made it through two songs. Without setting fire to something.
It's really good. It's better than last year by a lot. It's terrific. Seriously, look around. You'll see each other again. Take the light, take the blood. It's free, it's a gift. You get everlasting life. You get eternity in peace and in joy. And will you offer nothing? We have one small fire break out. Apparently, apparently it's a small fire. Don't be alarmed. A trained professional is on the scene. Please, somebody stabilize Mike. Okay. I don't really want it to be... uh, I just am so thrilled to look around and realize I see every one of you again, every single one. Now, what do you do next? Think of it as an order from your commanding officer, because that's what he calls himself. He gives you orders. You need to know what the orders are. You need to find somebody who knows what the orders are and have him tell you what the orders are. I don't have time today. You have orders. You have life and you should be what? Oop, another small fire. No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, there are orders, there are responsibilities. You should be grateful for your life. And you should go find somebody else to give the information to so they can have life. Start with your families. And go to your neighbors. In your face. Let's blow out our destructive systems here and bow our heads. I will. Don't close your eyes until all the fire blow your blow it out. Careful of the wax. Okay. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father. Thank you so much that you came to the darkness, that you found us, you pulled us out, you transform us, you are with us all our days here, that we die in righteousness and we are resurrected to eternity. Thank you, Father, for the hope. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the love. And please help us do what you would want us to do. Please be with these people and bless everyone as we all go through our lives. Help us get through as we know you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.